Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The Square Ball Podcast. Welcome to the show. It's brought to you in association with Levi Solicitors, who will offer you a 10% discount for their whole range of services, 10% discount on your legal fees at levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. There are many, many services they offer for you, for your business. I can think of three in the form of wills, probate and conveyancing for you personally, but it goes far beyond that. Dispute resolution. They also offer commercial dispute resolution, Michael. What are your other favourite ones now? I've taken away all the ones that you normally fall back on. No, because I know about lasting powers of attorney. Yep. That's the thing you can get in place. I know about professional negligence. You certainly do. And I know others too, but I'm not telling you. Right. What about telling the listener or viewer? I'm leaving it for them to find out on the website that's very 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 good of you like so they get a reward when they log on and exactly you don't want to it's like if a trailer shows you too much of the film yeah you sometimes think oh, there's not much point watching it now yeah go on there have a look see what there is and get a discount yeah it's a 10% discount levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball 10% discount on your legal fees right it's down at Michael and Moscow here to do the uh, the weekly roundup, and we're going to start on a discussion point if we may oh god because nothing's happened yeah, but it actually has been a quiet week and we have almost reverted to a state of something like normality. And it's a theme you picked up on in your match report, Moscow, which is the uh, the thread I wanted to pull, actually, because um, it really resonated with me. That is available at thesquareball.net, if you want to read it. Uh, Sunderland match report, speaking about that specifically. I'm going to quote this um, this paragraph that you wrote right back at you. Oh, make, no. Make you justify Do your, I have to listen to this? your stupid words, yes. Do you want to read it out? No. No, okay. Uh, it's turning out that we picked a bad year for our weird, infuriating football clubs to start being the one thing we've craved all century. Quite normal. You can tell the story of Leeds United since the millennium by pointing to any date on the calendar and asking, why couldn't we just have been normal? But now normal is here. Normal might not be all it's cracked up to be. And I thought it was a really interesting point you were making in the sense that we've started doing normal things. We've got uh, quite a backroom team that's been put in place now, executives and various strategy officers and so on and so forth, operating people. And we are behaving ostensibly like a normal football club. And after years of drama, are we struggling with being normal? Well, the the flip side to that and kind of the the thing that carries it through is that Leicester and it, being normal would be fine, but Leicester and Ipswich have both gone insane. Mm. And that's what's making everything bad because there's been a lot of um, questions about Farker and his uh, performance um, after the Sunderland game. But... So many times during Leeds United's time out of the Premier League before, we would have swapped anything for a two-time championship winning manager 
who was getting two points a game out of our team. Like that is what we want. That's the plan. That's the the aim. The mission. Well, the the aim is two points a game. The fact that we've got a guy who's done, who has won this division twice before, is even like an extra bonus. So it it should be fine. This should be. We should be winning the league. Unfortunately, we have decided to be normal at a time when Leicester and Ipswich are doing exceedingly not normal things. I mean, the things that they're doing. If um if they both carry on as they are, they will both beat Reading's Brian McDermott's Reading's. 106, was it? 106 championship winning points. And they would both beat it, one and two, um, which is how unprecedented what they're doing is. So it's it's a bit annoying, really. And also maybe a bit of a kind of a, a reality check because there's two... I'm on this because on one hand, what more can Farker do than two points a game? That's great. Three. But then you see how we... Yeah, but, and then but then you see how many attackers we had on the field against Sunderland. You're like, but how didn't we score? So there, it feels like there is almost that room for improvement does exist that we could actually be as good as Leicester and Ipswich if we just were a bit better. We, but we, then, we were close to it though, weren't we? It's that, just that early spell of the season that's that's left us where we are. Yeah, we'd still be... I mean, since then, we're, I think our points per game average is like 2.14 since the end of the transfer window. And... Leicester and Hips, which are still, you know, they're buggering about like 2.4 points per game, which is, it's unreasonable. But yeah, so we're, what we're asking now of Daniel Farker is to do something as insane as what Leicester and Hips, which are doing. Whereas, which actually, we're not far off doing anyway. Yeah. Except if you ignore that first month part of it, which made us all feel very sad. Just looking at the table, actually, as we stand here after a round of 21 rounds of fixtures. Um, and to see the table stratifying a little bit in the sense that you've obviously got Leicester and Ipswich pulling away at the top. Then there's us and Southampton sort of tucked in in the slipstream there, like sort of 10, 12 points back. And then it's the the rest of them from West Brom downwards. But at the other end of the table, you've got Rotherham and Sheffield Wednesday, both on 13 points, who are both eight points adrift of Huddersfield in 21st. So you can see it's reflected in the bottom of the table as well as two teams that are kind of pulling away at the top. You've got the two at the bottom who are adrift. And it reminds me a little bit almost of what tends to happen in the Premier League on your average year these days when you get like, you know, when Man City and Liverpool would go off and rack up a huge points total or whatever. And then you'd have teams just at the bottom just doing absolute shite. Sheffield Wednesday resurgent. Mm. Well, compared to a few weeks ago. I mean, yeah, I was just looking actually at the promotion season under Bielsa. If you take, I know we've obviously lost, but the, prior to that, seven games, six wins and a draw stacks up with, it was beaten once, but we won seven in a row once in that season we went up and we had at the end of the season we had we finished with a draw and six wins which is what we've just had so we should be grateful <laughs> is what I'm saying well, that's the thing there's not much more we can ask than what they're doing Farker is doing what he was brought in to do get two points a game and try and get promoted and there is a, a side of it where you just look at what the teams above us are doing it's got like fine if you can keep that up well done yeah like you can't really um argue with it but then there are those there's those little bits where it's like well you know if we were a bit more creative in the final third if we were a bit more um if we had a bit more goal threat coming out the the middle of the pack out the middle of the park if we could win in the blue kit if we could play against a red and white striped team all those little bits whether it is tempting there but it's just kind of reminding ourselves that we're, we're trying to achieve something insane against these uh these people when just at the moment when the club is like Let's just everything be sensible because we're probably you know January we'll probably sign a left back, huh. 
I know that's outrageous thinking, but how normal is that? And then what's it going to do us? It's, we're going to finish third. Sign so a left. What, Can we just say, sign a left back? Well, what's going to be the point? Not going to win the league with them, are we? Playoffs. So, and then lose. We'll, we'll, well. for the playoffs. We'll see how far the normality goes. Oh, is, maybe um, in just having a left back, it gives us enough wins yeah. to, to actually go up because it, they can't do it forever. Well, there's the thing. Did you see Opta's is the championship table lying to us thing? No, I didn't actually. Okay. Well, unfortunately, it's based on expected points. So lots of people probably want to turn off at exactly this moment. And they're probably right. But if we... How do you do expected points? Is that, oh, is God. It, is it expected goals for and against? And what that would translate so, to? Our expected points model simulates the number of goals scored by each side in each match based on the expected goals value of every shot taken. Right. It then uses the simulated number of goals to determine the match outcome. Each match is simulated 10,000 times and the expected points for each team in each match can then be calculated based on the proportion of simulation take win, draw, or lose. I mean, they do say they are like, well, you know, this is bollocks. They do even opt to preface it like it's just a bit bollocks. But um, it's, an, it's an interesting guide, though, isn't it? We've said this like with, with XG. It's, you know, it's not bulletproof. You can't rely on it as a, as a metric for how any particular game has gone, but it's a, an interesting indicator as to the quality of chances and then how that would convert into points. So, yeah. You know, take from it what you will, but also with a pinch of salt. Well, yeah, it's more the case that, like, so Leicester, for example, are overperforming based on where they should be, um, and that what that indicates is that they are turn is that their team is good enough to turn draws into wins and defeats into draws. Um, it's not something magic that it's happening. It's like normally a normal team would be doing this, but Leicester and Ipswich are playing well enough um, that they should be doing. Uh, that they are improving on what they should be expected to do. Um, we would have fewer points. We're overperforming, um, but we would still be top mm-hmm. under this, ahead of Leicester. Leicester would drop to second behind us. The team in third, expected points-wise, would be Sunderland, yeah. which is interesting given uh, the way that the game went on Wednesday night. And Ipswich under this should be fourth. Um, so Ipswich are frauds. Well, it, no, it's not that they're frauds. It's more that they are. That's what I took from it. They're That's making title of show that they're making the most <laughs> of the chances and the opportunities that they're given. So if they get a half chance to win a game, they're scoring it. Whereas we're underperforming. That's the way it is. We are third. We should, by rights, be top. But it's a bit of a twist because we should have fewer points. We've got more points than you would expect us to have. But well, that's a dun dun dun. Leicester have. Loads more points than you would expect them to have, and Ipswich have tons of more points than you would expect them to have, but they are playing well enough to get those extra points, and that's the thing. But it's that question of what of at what point a team um reverts to just being doing what it should. And Ipswich is a big question because they've been doing they've been brilliant for what is it, eighteen months now? It's ridiculous. So I was they reminded me a bit of um Simon Grayson's leads. Because you remember when we went through on the extra ball, we went through the League One promotion year and we got to Christmas basically just winning every single game. Didn't we, didn't we drop points in one game? Was yeah. that one defeat or something? The, the record, stupid. if you actually look at it, and I like looking at these on Wikipedia because they colour code them, like green for a win, red for a defeat, and yellow for a draw. It's not that true amount of green that's in the first half of that season. And then we ended up, we had to win on the final day to make sure we went up. But we, think we still then had the momentum in the championship. We went top at Christmas, didn't we, by beating Neil Warnock's QPR, mm. which he did not like. Once you start winning, it's pretty easy to just keep winning even at a higher level. And But we hit the buffers, but then we had Ken Bates. That was a big part of the problem that season is that Bates didn't particularly help us 
um, to go forward if Ipswich have a, a better setup and maybe they've got the things they need to keep going next year. With reference to Ken Bates, and that's the, the way I wanted to sort of frame this question as well, rather than just getting into the sort of statistical modelling side of it, is about, yeah, it's about the drama. Are we addicted to the drama? Because you go back to the, well, it's the pre-Bates days, isn't it? So even from the collapse 20 years ago that led to the Yorkshire Consortium and then Ken Bates and GFH and Chilino and all the rest of it, we've had so much drama over the last 20 years that I wonder if it has irreparably damaged us a little bit and we kind of, we almost need it to sustain now because I'm I'm like like I've like you Moscow you've been telling us to enjoy this the moments I think when we've been in them and celebrate moments maybe and when we see good things to enjoy them in the moment and not worry too much about what's coming down the track the problem with that is the finances of the championship and the fact that it's completely unsustainable and you can't carry this wage bill without parachute payments and so on and so forth but that I think that creates a, a certain amount of anxiety that's that you can't shake that off you can't ignore that it's just the reality of being in the in the championship isn't it but we are ostensibly a very, very good team and hovering around two points per game. So there's the anxiety of needing to get out of the championship, the fact that the top two teams need to just grow up and stop doing what they're doing. I'm reassured by this uh, Ipswich being fourth thing. I think, what are, the, what are the chances of them continuing it? It'd be like drawing 13 away ties consecutively in the FA Cup or something like that. It just can't happen, can it? <laughs> Impossible. Not, not For but, the figures, their expected points is 35 and a half. They've got 48. Right. Cheats. <laughs> Leicester is 30, farming cheats. Leicester's thirty-eight point seven. They've got forty-nine. Ours is crisp cheats. Uh, Thirty-nine point one, and we've got forty-one. Right, but the drama aspect of it. Do you think we become addicted to drama? Because like Bielsa's football, which is it's held up as the modern sort of gold standard of what we want to see, isn't it? And we've perhaps forgotten some of the more anxious moments that surrounded Bielsa's football because it was so swashbuckling and so exciting, and we know that in the end it worked and it got us up. So you kind of you retrofit the experience to the outcome, don't mm-hmm. you? Almost. Because I, I, I do wonder that. You forget the patch toward the start of that season as well because we started really well and it was like the Bristol game came along and everyone went, all right, this is fine. They were just kind of picking up, not exactly where we left off because that was terrible, where we were a month before the end of the season. But then there was that patch where we lost at Swansea, we drew at Derby, we lost at Charlton when Kiko Kassir did his naughty, did his thing. Um, we lost at Millwall, and it was all within about a month. Was this, and everyone was like, "Oh shit, maybe we're not going to walk this. This is difficult. The championship's really hard." And we, I suppose, occasionally it does remind you of that. Well, that was the thing that in that season, sitting next to Phil Hay in, I think we were on the gantry that day. Yeah, watching us going two 0 up against Cardiff before half time, and having the conversation about whether because it was the same year when Liverpool were romping away with. And mm. the Premier League are we like are, they, are both that was a special year are both divisions going to be wrapped up by Christmas so we is this what are we going to do what are we going to write about for the, the rest of the season if it's Leeds just winning every single game and then um, by full time like that was it like <laughs> that was everything the... had changed we were like what the, what the hell well the, maybe that's just a blip and it wasn't a blip I referenced it that was the game that broke the seven seven game winning streak yeah with an hour of that game gone you were like well that's eight games Yep. On the bounce one. Well, and then, yeah, we went to Fulham, lost, drew with Preston, and then had some madness at Birmingham before another bad run. Maybe if we're not addicted to drama, then do you think maybe it has come to sort of define our identity to a certain extent and we struggle to to shake that off? I don't know. Maybe it's all... Are all clubs like this? I don't know. I feel like the reaction to a defeat is over the top generally but maybe mm. I think that's I, that's the nature of but that's the nature of like forums and socials isn't it it kind of it, it just amplifies it and magnifies it, it acts, and you know it acts as a catalyst like when Leeds lost to Sunderland 
I just disengaged from it all, didn't read it because I knew it had just dragged mm. my mood down. So I just left it and I, I was quite happy and able to let it go as a result because I've I've got faith that we've got enough in us to hopefully claw back the difference, which seems like a really difficult task now, but I'm aware that like we've got Ipswich to face at home in a couple of weeks, 10 days, and you know there's the Leicester-Ipswich double clash coming up in December, January, which I mentioned on uh, this week's show with Phil actually. So I won't repeat myself. But yeah, there's there's a lot of football still to be played. Because um, I'm being mature about it, I'm not going to be calling for Farker out until at least the end of that Ipswich game. Right. At which point... That's very reasonable. If we lose that, obviously, I think a pitch invasion would seem fair. I think it would make me feel really sad if, if there were people turned on him for, for not getting us promoted this season. Imagine how, how sad he'd feel and what he might say. <laughs> well, when I fall out with him, then we'll find out. <laughs> Mugs are back in stock. Get them while he's winning. Um, there have been a few... Why is the, sorry, what is the last postage date, by the way, before Christmas for the UK? You need to order by... Sunday. Sunday, Sunday we, the 17th. We're going to send it out on Monday. Um, that'll, that'll be the last guaranteed date, we think. Yeah, yeah, I think because we sent Tract 48, probably some stuff may still get there, but don't... Why are you doing this to yourself? Do you want... Don't rely on it. Yeah. You don't don't if, compile, pile, basically. Pile, pile your orders in on Sunday, so Michael's a no, shit Monday. Monday at four o'clock. <laughs> get all your orders in on Monday at four, Monday at 4pm. We will be delighted... <laughs> Uh, to watch Michael fulfilling no, 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 all those no. yeah. before the, the postman comes and collects the all the The postman comes at 4.23, so if you could order as late <laughs> as possible. Just order over the weekend, please. Yeah, do it on Sunday and then we'll have a relaxing day on Monday sending all this stuff out. There have been a few whispers of whether, um, because Leeds keep failing in the same way against Sunderland and against Stoke and against Sheffield Wednesday of like trying to unlock defences and there have been a few comments along the lines of does Farker know how to solve that problem. And I think he does because did it twice with Norwich. Norwich Norwich got over 100 points, didn't they? Which I'm sure he likes to... Uh, Daniel Farker is not shy of bringing up um, Norwich City's promotion records. And, yes, when I, and how many golden boots he picks up along the way. But I think the difference there is... That, and where he has a problem perhaps keeping us sweet is that Norwich had Buendia. And so that's the, the problem. He knows how to solve the problem of not being able to unlock a packed bus parking um, situation as he found at Sunderland that their coach wasn't happy about him highlighting is to have a really great playmaker playing in attacking midfield behind the strikers who can create loads of goals. Um, without that, I do wonder if, he's, if his response is just, well, I'm doing the best I can with this lot and I don't know how much more than two points a game. It's weird because... Even without an Emmy Buendia or even without a Pablo Hernandez, we're performing at a rate. We're winning enough points and winning enough games to win the damn league. Two points a game, we should win the league. What's that over 46 or 46 times two? 92. That'll win the league. It should. But, um, so whether we have a, it's almost, we could we can cope without a um, a player like that because we'll, we're, we're doing well enough anyway. But now we're in this position because of Leicester and Ipswich setting this unusual pace. It's a problem now that either needs to be solved and we sign a Buendia, a Hernandez, somebody to help those players score more goals, or we stick as we are and hope that Leicester or Ipswich or both freak out and let us through at the rate that we are going through. So it's freak out like chic, hey? Yeah, so it's a bit annoying. We do actually have we've got a we've got a championship capable team with a championship capable manager that is performing at championship capable Levels. Championship, championship. We're just, uh, he didn't quite get over 100 points. 94 and 97. 
but either of those would be fine. They won the league with that twice. Well, just wrapping up the other stuff before we circle back to um, one of the architects of our drama in the form of Victor Orta. Other news is Jan Paveda made his Colombia international debut. Uh, 1-1-0 against Venezuela. He played 18 minutes, so that looked pretty lively. And he was involved in the winning goal, which was an OG, wasn't it, in the end? Good on him. Another international footballer. Mm. Another Colombian for you to fall in love with, Michael. I mean, where's, he, where's he from? Colombia. <laughs> now, where's he? Is he London? Medellin. <laughs> yeah, one thing I did come across, which I was going to retweet, but it, it felt mean on the man doing it, who, was, um, who interviewed him years ago, but found a bloke who looks really like um, Almiron's dad, right. who interviewed Pervade years ago. I was just trying to find out how he'd done in this game by searching his name, and I came across him. I was like, is that? That looks just like Almiron. The bits I read seem to have done all right, mm-hmm. but it's not a weird, it's a weird kind of half team, isn't it? This that they've played. It's not like a mm. full international. Does what? Well, does now, oh, there's a. I did check because somebody, um, Rafita Ilias 23, was straight on Wikipedia to award him that Colombian cap. I know he gets a cap for it. He does get a cap for it, but it's a 22 know. year old from Bogota. Hi, Rafita, if you're um, listening, that's where he's from, Bogota as well. Well, yeah, it's very yeah. Southwark, the Southwark, <laughs> yeah, close. Bogota, just the, the other end of the M3. But um, it's nice. It's for good him. for him, isn't it? It'd be yeah. interesting to see where he ends up. He doesn't feel like he's got a future at Leeds. I will say that. Not, not of any significance. I, I thought he had a bit of a chance over um, over summer. I have to say, because he'd done well in pre-season, and it was that point where you, it wasn't entirely clear if Nonto would stay, if um, Dan James would be any good, and so you thought, oh, there's maybe an opening for him. Mm. Somewhere around there, Sinistera, obviously at that point we were still hoping to keep as well. Although, although glad he left. He, he played the other week after Farkas said he'd been performing well in mm. training and he was like, when we put him on the pitch we don't necessarily know what he's going to do but it's worth trying. And that was, which game was that? That Was was it Rotherham? So it's not too long ago mm. since he's been in but I think... It was a bit like that with Michael Ricketts, wasn't it? But for different reasons. There's been um, conflicting kind of strands of because of this Columbia call-up coming up outside of an international window, it's good for Jan Pervade's longer-term career to be picking up Columbia caps and maybe he can get a move to the Colombian league if he fancies it, puts himself in the shop window and opens up opportunities that way. But it does kind of make it more difficult from getting himself in the team at Leeds because it's not a great sign. I know Daniel Farker was like, imagine if we told him no, but also... You know, if Jorginho Ruter was like, actually, I fancy just going and playing for somebody else next week. Like, well, oh, we're playing it switching Leicester. You'll be all right without me. I, I yeah. quite fancy doing this. Um, it's it's probably a it, different it, situation. It does sort of, yeah, yeah, like you say, with an eye on his future, but it does almost cement the likely outcome for his future at Leeds, doesn't it? Weirdly. Um, Unless, as Farkas said, if he comes back in a great mood and starts performing yeah. uh, off the charts and he ends up being scoring all the goals that mean we overhaul Lipswich and Leicester then um, give him a 10-year contract and a statue. Super. Um, in Bogota. Elsewhere, the women game postponed versus Norton and Stockton Ancients because rain, that time of year, winter. 21s lost to Sparta Prague 3-1 in the Premier League International Cup, which happened after we recorded this show last week. They did win against Colchester, very late, 96-minute winner by Joe Snowden. Worth watching the highlights of that for some real Bailey Peacock farrelling by their goalkeeper. The 21s Premier League Cup which us and Colchester are obviously in. Mm. So there's that. And then, yeah, just to, to wrap up what we are saying about Victor Orta, Sevilla went out of the Champions League and Europe completely, a bit like Man United and Newcastle did, actually. Shame that. Um, Victor Orta under a great deal of fire there and the significant news being that he's shaved off his beard. He needs to grow it back, doesn't he? Mm. Quite frankly. 
It's um, it's terrifying. I saw somebody like it says like look, he's, he's morphed into a, an American serial killer. Like, it looks like one of the sort of Netflix kind of look, looks like one. Yeah, not yeah, one. yeah, yeah, yeah. He shaved it while he was at Leeds, didn't he, for charity? But he left the tash on for some photos, mm. and um, he looked like quite a different proposition of character. In the uh, in my old ITV days, the the woman I used to sit next to was on the online dating. Mm. We'd occasionally sit there and flick through them. She'd be like, "Oh, it's the," and I'd be like, "Nah, nah, nah." Swipe left, swipe right. Oh, yeah. like the older version. Of but that. any uh, anyone with a beard, she was always like, "Oh, yeah, nice." I was like, "No, she's just got a beard." Yeah. Look at the rest of his face. Oh, absolutely disgraceful. Get 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 on. And I think Victor Ross is one of those examples. I bet his wife is disgusted with him. He's been saying about the situation at Severe, he says that uh, that they have to win games starting today. He doesn't want to ask for more patience, but I see an evolution and that the players believe um, that we have had good minutes of football lately and it's in line with the coach's idea, but the results are not coming. Mm. So. Is Diego Alonso, is it, the uh, coach there who he recruited because he met him at a barbecue some years back? Yes, yeah. Victor Otter is he does fall for scams, doesn't he? If you can get in his if you can get into his WhatsApp, you're getting some money off him. Mm. Undoubtedly just talk to him for long enough and eventually he'll give you he'll put you in at left back or give you a manager's job or just transfer you some money for that uncle who died in a plane crash and you need to pay some money to free up the funds free up the funds yeah. and all that sort of yeah. stuff. If you, if you promise him like a library of back issues of some obscure um football magazine from the nineteen sixties, he will give you money for that. And whether you then provide him with those magazines is entirely up to your conscience. So I, I think you're right that an eBay scam directed at Victor Auto would probably have a reasonable uh, amount of success, a reasonable chance of success it's not if you pitch be. it right. It's not something anybody no. should do. No, no, no. But it's kind of, it is definitely, I'm sure you could, more, rather than scamming him, it would be more appropriate to do like an episode of Beatles About and involved in a situation where he's got to go one, to... One for the uh, youth audience and the Americans there. It was the... Uh, what, what's the modern version of Beatles about? It's, um, it's a hidden camera show, Pranks. No, what's the... I was going to suggest um, that getting a, a new episode of Beatles about might be a bit of a stretch, um, given his death and everything. <laughs> Who are the... Um, I was, well, Punked is the yeah. the most recent one. Rio Ferdinand can do it. Yeah, he can murk him. So, yeah, so he can... Um, you could lull him to like a village hall somewhere saying that they've discovered a library of old magazines and if he comes along, he can claim them and they're all, you know, they're there for him and he'll turn <laughs> up and get and then do something like set them on fire by accident and have him being all upset and then say, actually, no, it was a load of back issues of the square ball and it'd be like, great. Although without the beard, he looks more like he'd be uh, magazines in a hedgerow. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Have to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. 
$45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Well, the court is now in session. Welcome along with Levi's Listers, obviously. 10% discount on your legal fees and so on and so forth. Levi'slisters.co.uk forward slash the square ball. Dispute resolution, they do. Mm-hmm. This is what this is about, isn't it? The TSB jury. Not really. Is it not? No. It's about throwing some people under the bus. Fair enough. Yeah, that could be a new category we assign because we're going to do the Ken Bates Villain of the Week Award first where we have to pick one Villain of the Week. We can air some petty grievances. We can take some cheap shots. Under the bus, should that be a, a new category? It feels a bit more like something they'd be into defending in Newcastle as a punishment. Right. Yeah, no, fair enough. I did enjoy the um, the thread on Waco, which was somebody asking the question, <laughs> will the Saudis execute Eddie Howe? It's, it's an int- it's a question. It uh, is a question. I think he'd be all right, but he's he's, he's towed the line, hasn't he? Mm. Mm. He has. Right. Um, who wants to step up first and put forward their case for who they believe would be uh, a worthy winner of villain of the week? Ken Bates, villain of the week, no less, as well. It's, it was Ken's birthday, wasn't it? Like a week or two back. Yeah, ninety-two. Is he still? Yeah, still. He's yeah, still racking him up. Yeah. Can't imagine if he was still in charge. The fun times we would have had. I'd rather not. Would you rather have Sunderland's owner, a, ch- a child, a, child. a billionaire child? Yes. Yeah, you might be able to get you uh, Elaine off Seinfeld's autograph, though. Yeah, that is true. Who wore a Leeds top in a TV thing? It was a hoodie in Veep, mm. and it was uh, mocked up with. It's the, probably the only viable piece of merch because I don't imagine anybody at Leeds ever went as far as doing a sample with it on that had the salute badge on. It mm. had both. Badges on. It was meant. It was part of a storyline where I think it was a Russian diplomat claimed to it, or somebody had claimed that they had become a part owner of Leeds United and were um, dishing out free Leeds merch. Mm. Is it? Have you watched it? I've not seen it. No, but I, I know enough to. Uh, yeah, um, I know enough to picked up that bit of triv. I've seen the picture. I've seen the picture. Anyway, um, do you have a strong opinion, Moscow? Um, well, I don't want to nominate Daniel Farkas. So I suppose it's the Bellinghams. So um, I'm nominating the greatest English footballers for a generation. Yeah, fair enough. The Swines. Um, although, I, look, I looked uh, up the names. Denise and Mark, the parents. How dare you? What were you thinking of? Well, I don't want to know what you were thinking of. It would probably be dirty when they were conceiving their children, is what I'm talking about. Um, I don't think Moscow's suggesting you're a pair of perverts. No, I had it. was loveless and functional. <laughs> so... Um, How are things at home, Michael? <laughs> As just described. <laughs> Don't pull that out. It'd be fine. Yeah, put it out. It's a joke, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's just a, just a character sat there in that chair. Uh, sorry, where were we? Bellingham's. Job. Can't be that good because he plays for Sunderland, but I suppose Jack Clark's quite good. Maybe this is, are we looking at, because part of what um, Sunderland are attempting to do 
that Tony Mowbray got bored with because Tony Mowbray's like, I quite fancy getting promoted. But these people who own the place are like, no, we just want to um, farm children. There's not an unreasonable chance that Jack Clark and Joe Bellingham and Jude Bellingham are like the future of England. Maybe Jude would have to do a stint at Sunderland to really make it um, something special. He could have like a half-season loan to prove himself. I just don't see his career heading that way, you know. Do you know? It just seems unlikely at this stage. Hang on a second. It'd take a run of injuries. Hang on a second. What stadium is he playing at now? Bow? Yeah, and what's the name of another fancy European stadium? The Stadio de Luz. Yeah. And what does that mean in English? (laughs) It's the Stadium of Light. And where does Sunderland play? Okay. So you yeah, can see the, you can see the path. It's like Kevin Bacon's six degrees of separation, or whatever it is. Okay, now yeah. I see where, I see where you're going. Yeah, but I mean, he he's, like scores every game, doesn't he? Yeah, it's ridiculous. He scored against. Did he score against us, or did he just play well in that ridiculous five four game we had there as well? I think he was he not responsible for us getting the winner. You got to give the ball away or something. Useless. Yeah, sixteen year old boy. A, he was a genuine, yeah, like, a, a real child. Though. Yeah, younger than Archie Gray. Um, I mean, so I'm trying to find, I don't know if anybody, did Marcus Alonso play for Sunderland? Um, Wikipedia says yes. So he had one game at Real Madrid and then for his loan from Fiorentina to Sunderland in the future before we're going to play for Barcelona. So it can happen. The other example doesn't involve Sunderland, but what if Bellingham is just a new Thomas Gravson from Real Madrid to Celtic? Mm. That would be uh, exciting stuff, and then loaned to Everton from does, there. Does feel like he's on a slightly different arc. The trajectory is not mm. quite the same. But okay, fair enough. Fair point. Yeah, no, arcs, fair point. arcs can change. They can. And Zenden was at um, Barcelona, ended up at Sunderland. That's a similar trajectory. Yeah, I mean, it took him like ten years to get there. Yeah, but you never know. So anyway, so basically, um, yeah, I've been left to just condemn some pretty good footballers. In fact, is, in fact, the closest example is possibly, is it Mendieta? Is he going to be the best example of... It was Borough, wasn't he? Went to Borough from uh, previously at Valencia, wasn't he, Mendieta? Mm. And I remember when we played Valencia being absolutely blown away by the concept of Mendieta. Pablo Hernandez from Valencia to the second division leads. Mm. So it could, yeah, it could happen off fair point, yeah. So the Bellinghams, watch out. Just realised uh, in, in doing this, I've, I'm inadvertently criticising a, a young player's mum, which is not what I'm about. No, you're all you're a big fan of the mums, aren't you? Denise, you want to produce some talentless children? <laughs> Come get these genetics. <laughs> so uh, it is Mel Falcon who actually proposed. You were the... quite a rotund child as well, weren't you? So would that pass through the genes? Yeah, I would think so. Yeah, yeah. Little... baldness, <laughs> well, <laughs> bald, the bald fat Bellingham. Everyone's like, Christ is an embarrassment. <laughs> This was just keep, uh, just keep him under the stairs. Basically, Mal Falcon's point as he dominated <laughs> uh, the Bellingham family for not being content with a teenage superstar, they had to produce a genetic clone to prod one in. Grow up, he says. And yeah, it wasn't even a good goal. So if we'd have conceded that game to a you know some kind of mad um, Jude Bellingham esque world beater, fine. Having to make do with basically a bad photocopy, just fluking it was a bit upsetting. But you hate Daniel Farkas, so that's probably well, going to be the more only, clinching thing. Only because there has to be something else in this section. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, you've got to balance the force, haven't you? Yeah, I mean, there's always the ref, isn't there? One of them, when we played Blackburn this week too, not that it matters anymore. Mm, I'm trying not to get too, too upset at refs in my new, you know, drawing inspiration from Moscow's end personality. Mm. But, uh, yeah, he was bad, wasn't he, in retrospect? I didn't really pick up on it at the time. They just seem 
very inconsistent with what they will give yellow cards for is the only thing I'll say. Yeah. And this, oh, like for example, Archie's one. There were loads of tackles as bad as that in the game. The way Clark went over and the fact that he was sort of past him. I can see why it's a yellow, but then I could see why like another half a dozen were as well. And it's just it just seems to happen every week that there's you'll get a point where refs won't book people and then all of a sudden they'll start and then they'll chuck a load around and um it's just very inconsistent. But I mean I don't feel any real uh, no any real beat. I thought we deserved to lose the other night, so I, I, therefore I, I struggled to feel too cross at refs. It's like when Neil Warnock was always more angry with the refs than I was because he'd I'd seen the game and he was still it gave, complaining. It, it, gave him like, a, it gave him a villain, didn't he'd it? He'd be yeah. like, Neil, we've lost 3-0. We've not had any shots. Of course, the game, the game changed from the referee gave that yellow card and that free kick on the yeah. first one and the so on and so forth. Yeah. So yeah, Farker, just <laughs> controversial. Do better stuff. I don't yeah. know what, like, I ain't got any suggestions. Well, I mean, Garfath, uh, Matt is suggesting the subs are too late and should have done some rotation. Yorkie Dave, yeah, I think he got this one wrong. But He should don't. rotate, but only, but he needs to rotate and make sure we win. Yeah. So Otherwise, it's bad like at Stoke. When stuff doesn't work, um, with the aid of hindsight, change it. When it does work, don't. All with the aid of hindsight. Correct. Good stuff. Uh, for, he, for not being able to see into the future. Daniel Farker. Yeah, we're just taking some cheap shots here. Jack Clark. Uh, Paddy Bamford's golden boot uh, is annoyed at Jack Clark's uh, Red Bull supplier mm. for, for buying Archie a yellow card. Yeah, he was uh, he was running quite quickly, wasn't he? It was Jack? Mm. He'd been on the old taurine. He looked good to Clark, didn't he? To be fair, he was um, playing very well. He was. I'm I'm kind of glad he got out of Spurs. I felt a bit sorry for him in a way. I know, obviously, he, you know, there's only so much sympathy you can have for a young man being made a multi-millionaire at that point. But like when he was going to Sunderland, I think he went there on. Did he go there on loan to begin with? I used to work with was like, is he any good? I was like, yeah, he's, he is. He just needs to leave Spurs and actually play because Spurs are never going to play him. They're just going to keep sending him out on loan and he needs to actually find a team that wants him and will play him. And he looks good again. Yeah, he tried coming on loan to us, didn't he? Yeah. It wasn't loans, really a success. Loans are just not, they're not great, are they, generally speaking? I know, I know you get the odd one that works out, but no, no one really wants to use a loanee as, uh, as first choice to the, if you can avoid it. And hear Joe Roden weeping as you uh, say this. Well, like, oh, fine, you don't even want me here. Well, he's an obvious first choice, though, isn't it? It's when you fall into that thing of like, well, could play, could play him or him or him. Whereas with with Roden, he's he's definitely our best centre back. Jez is taking a cheap shot at Ampadu for taking cheap shots from outside the box mm. that are never going to go in, and he's annoyed. Uh, fair enough. He does look like someone who will never score. I right. mean, he has scored once in his whole career. You see, Calvin, Calvin scored for Man City almost like a testimonial sympathy penalty late on against Red Star. Bless him. And he, he waved like that with two hands, didn't he? I'm leaving soon. I didn't actually see it. I just, I only saw it occurring on Twitter. Yeah, I did completely disengage from football, but actually it's one of the few things I did see was, again, because there were pictures of it. Mm. Well, there you go. Put so a late bit in. Uh, Alex oh. Pritchard was down for some uh, petty oh, yeah. grievances and I'm almost up to... Um, like promoting him in place of either the Bellinghams or Farker because I just don't like him. Right. Which one was Pritchard again? He's the one who it's looks a like a sort of, uh, yeah, if you may stop going over a bridge. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's due a trip to Turkey. That's right. what we're saying. Right. He's going bold in that way that footballers don't do anymore. Okay. Yeah. Norwich, Norwich paid apparently £8 million for him and then um, Huddersfield oh he's the one that Farker was talking to then towards the end wasn't it yeah, yeah. And, he, and he was the one who said you know, I think he said from that conversation he was like even he doesn't know how he like he wasn't trying to set up that goal with a header it just hit him and then Huddersfield paid 11 million pounds for him really I, wh- how can that happen how can an 11 million pound transfer happen that I've never I've got no awareness of 
I mean, yeah. Not that I keep myself across all transfers, but that feels like a fairly substantial amount of money. And now he's at Sunderland. Yeah, he's released after three and a half years. Um, he's now at Sunderland. I mean, um, if, if somebody wanted to pay me £11 million pounds to take a balding man off my hands. It's great to be here, and it's another good opportunity <laughs> for me on the football road. I'm not balding, I'm bald. <laughs> <laughs> through, be, through choice. Let's be perfectly clear about this. <laughs> through choice. It was a decision on your part. I was balding it? ten years ago, maybe fifteen. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear but, me. Um, yeah, I was just reading about his old school. He was at the uh, he went to the Belhurst Chase Specialist Humanities College um, in Essex, which is now the Ormiston Park Academy. In a bit of controversy in two thousand and seven, when um, Tess Walker, yeah, was the head teacher. And in two thousand and nine, the school closed at the end of the August thirty first school day reopening the next day as Ormiston Park Academy. It kind of, I think it was all planned, but it, it gives the impression that somebody was like barricaded inside, changing all the signs. So um, I think he was a grown, where was he in 2009? Oh no, he would have been at school then. So yeah, so we had to go through all of that. You forget that 2009 was a really long time ago. That's when we first took on the mag, wasn't it? Yeah. This podcast didn't exist. I was going to say that feels like it was about three years ago, but it wasn't, was it? He had to, uh, so he had to go through all of that. I now feel a bit a lot bad of, for criticising him. It's a lot of change, that isn't it, for a young man to shoulder. Yeah, if anybody in the uh, Thurrock area um, has some children between 11 to 16, the enrolment of the college is 664, but the capacity is 1100. And it's just been upgraded. Um, the last Ofsted inspection <laughs> was uh, received... Is this, a paid, in, is this a paid advert? <laughs> 2017, it received a judgment of good, which was... Uh, previously it had been rated as requires improvement. So oh, my, my kid's school has just gone the other way. Well. How oh, was it? Yeah. Dragged it down. Yep. Well done. Can they commute to Thurrock? Uh, possibly not. Possibly not. But um, anyway, let's uh, award a, a villain of the week. Should we just give it him, Pritchard? Yeah, fine. Well, he's just annoying. I, don't, I didn't really care for him. I'm sure he's fine. He's probably a nice person. He won. He was Brentford Social Media Player of the Year at one point. Is that his career high, do you think? One of them. So, yes, he was named 8th best championship player of the 2015 Football League Awards. Wow. Yeah. and um, Top 10 anyway. He, Should we move on? He was in a nomination for the London Football Awards Young Player of the Year Awards and separate awards for Player of the Year from the Irish and Italian Brentford Supporters Clubs. So he can't be that bad a chap. I just didn't care for they, him. That, that the Italian they, Brentford they Supporters, don't Supporters Club is like one bloke. They don't exist. But I can't believe they've had the, the fucking audacity to put an award on. <laughs> <laughs> it's, almost, it's almost like us doing a player of the year isn't it that, that's a collective effort though people are voting for that speaking of which let's move on to that and just um, quickly feed the scores into the supercomputer I say supercomputer it's just a chart on this sheet isn't it really sorry I'm going to hold you back momentarily because the I mean, uh, some would say you have been for years Moscow the, uh, the Italian bees the official Italian branch. They, they how, do you, are, how do you know that bees are Italian? They are known in brackets <laughs> as BIAS, so their name is Bias, right. um, which is bearing in mind the uh, conversations we've had with Brentford supporters via this podcast previously. It's quite funny that they're called Bias. Do you want, should we join? We can join. Join it. Hostile takeover. Shut it down. Embezzle some funds. Shut it down. <laughs> I feel like you've probably jumped the shark a bit by saying that on camera and on the recording. But you know. Simone, right? So it's a uh, different law, right? So um, Bias is pleased to announce the creation of the Brentford Italian Bees, our international branch branch for Italy. 
Uh, Simone Badalotto, who is married and a father living in Navarra, Italy, has stepped up to become our international brand coordinator for all Bees fans living in Italy. Simone is also a Juventus fan. Uh, yeah, yeah. So Brentford aren't even his first club. Right. Um, and in his previous visits to England, he's visited London, Liverpool and Britain. Simone had a casual knowledge of Brentford FC, but when he read the story and saw a video image of the club, he immediately fell in love. Right, let's, move, let's move on. As I was saying, the, the scores on the doors for the Blackburn game, pretty decent day for everybody. Everybody, um, <clears throat> excuse me, scoring roughly between six and eight. Dan James coming out on top, 7.95 out of 10. Joe Road on second place, Chris Encio Somerville third and so on and so forth. Sunderland, a bad day for everyone except Ilan Melier, Melier with Man of the Match at 7.36. Everyone else, 5.73 and downwards. Obviously, I haven't checked because that would uh, be professional, but I suspect that's the biggest margin that we've had a, a winner by. Yeah. Because generally, if it's an outfield player who's done well, other outfield players have done well, whereas yeah. everyone was kind of shit in this one. What it means is the player of the year, Crescencio Somerville, continues to track on for the top there. 7.39 average over the season, voted for by our TSB Plus members, with Dan James second, Ethan Ampadu third. Dropping like a stone, finished footballer. Mm. It'll be all right in a bit. Just need to rest. Bias is actually Brentford Independent Association of Supporters. And the last thing on the Italian Bees website is actually a report on our, when we beat them and stayed up, which begins in English, same old Brentford and continues in Italian. It would be much easier to get uh, angry about a match when you are at the mercy of your opponents, but leaving empty-handed after a match that was almost dominated by bullies. And it seems like we may have um, finished him off. There's one more game. I think it's a pre-season friendly or something. One more game reported on, which has mentions of Dean Smith. And then, um, yeah, but then just given up after that. Good. Right. Gitano Baradi, Hero of the Week Award. One Hero of the Week. Some formal commendations if we'd like to issue those. We can doff the cap as well. Anybody who's done some good work through the week. Candidates-wise, who's stepping up on this? Moscow, strong opinion? Um, I'm always going to give Melier all the flowers he wants. Do you imagine quite a lot? So his, own, his own height in flowers, I would give him that. Maybe I could get away with just giving him a sunflower and it would be cheap. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, his save was brilliant and the one from, as I said on the match ball, the one from Roden shouldn't be underrated and he was uh, he did the save at Leicester and I missed that because goalkeeping's weird now, isn't it? The goalkeepers are generally just outfield players in a different shirt and then they don't, they punch a corner and people hate them. The one thing you can get out of a good goalkeeper that I've always got out of Ilan Melier is... A deep voice? Deep voice and also saves that are as exciting as goals. And I think when you've got that, I just love watching him making those great saves. I don't care if he's a bit ropey on corners. Um, not bothered if his distribution's here and there. It's not holding us back, particularly. We're still two points per game. So add to that somebody who makes ludicrous exciting saves. I know the... Uh, the Blackburn commentators were claiming the one there that was also pretty good was for the cameras, but that was a good save as well. And even if it was for the cameras... And they were twats, speaking of bias. I actually... So I thought that was... A, I quite enjoyed it being for the cameras. I thought they were all right. I was quite surprised there was so much vitriol against, against those because when I was listening to them, obviously my the radio I was using on was manufactured in um, Darwin, so it could only pick up the pictures from Blackburn itself. And they seemed fine I, I was listening to him I was actually mentally thinking to myself mentally thinking to myself how else would I think to myself I was thinking to myself that how refreshing it is to have these commentators who are actually quite uh, praising the positives in both teams the, they had the 
The one being the bonnet about Strauch's penalty, but there was the other ones when they thought Melier might have taken their defender or taken their attacker out. They thought, oh, should that be a penalty? And then they saw a replay and they were like, oh no, we were wrong, that was fine. I mean, you say say that, Moscow, and you sit there having watched it with your evidence. I haven't, and I've come to a hot take conclusion that they were biased and awful because other people have said it and that's how I'm influenced. I suppose the lines, were they better than Andy Hinchcliffe and Don Don Goodman? Yeah, I enjoyed them more than that. And they seemed to have a bit more knowledge about us as well. They were quite well-versed in what was going on and sort of appreciative of what we were doing anyway. Dick Van Shipbitch says that... um, Although Melier's save was incredible, um, he's disturbed by his hair this season. He looks like a lime green tramp, a lime green tramp most weeks, um, which is, yeah, I'm not quite sure. He seems a bit in between. I wonder if he's kind of considering like he's done a bit of a Pascal, might try a bit of that and then mm. got halfway towards it and gone, no. And then obviously Pat Bamford's probably gone, oh, I've got a bit of, perox- a bit of peroxide left over. Ilian, if you want some, like, no. Uh, me no. Uh, so yeah, I think he, he may be big question about Melier on corners and such is his decision making. So perhaps he could uh, make a statement with his hair that would be a bit more decisive and then we'd all believe in him more at corners. I'm prepared to give this to Melier unless you can persuade us otherwise, Michael, with a candidate. No, it seems fair to be honest. Yeah. We're supposed to be having. <laughs> oh yeah, like sorry. A... I mean, you don't look, look. no, it should be Dan James, the little scum bastard. Right, fact, it's not. It, no, it's not. You're right, but um, I think Mal is correct in saying special mention to Dan James for his zoomies on defence. Which to explain is when we imagine he him, makes a car noise. Yeah, so he's starting from behind the defender and overtakes him and goes <laughs> in his own head, or even out loud. I think it'd be funnier done out loud. It, imagine it, if you were a defender and you heard that. You like, can hear him. Yeah, approaching. <laughs> Changing gears. Uh, yes, that's that's nice. Uh, maybe we can formally commend the little scum bastard for his um, recent performances. I mean, the, the Blackburn game was within this this window as well, wasn't it? So and his goal was good. So we maybe shouldn't be completely dismissive of the fact that you know he did well in that game and other players did as well. Well, the thing with his, him in that game is that finish was brilliant, mm. particularly from him because he's had, he's got a track record of just hitting the side netting mm. with that kind of stuff when he was playing up front. And in my report on the Blackburn game, I did say you can kind of see why people tried him at striker and that if he keeps doing this, people may be tempted again. Oh, Rob Page at Wales did a big thing about, oh, no, we're going to put him back on left wing now. We'll get the best out of him there. But you've got to be, maybe, put him back, put him back in the <laughs> middle if he can finish like that. So maybe he probably needs to uh, miss a few for the sake of his own health on the wing I'm a little bit surprised actually that you went for the little scum bastard there Michael because what you were saying off air beforehand about Joey Barton um, and how you were going to sort of put him forward as a, a modern hero of our time spokesman for a generation things like that I'm mm. surprised you didn't you didn't go in and, and do that like you said you would I never <laughs> to be clear <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> <it's> like, <laughs> I don't know where to go with that no he didn't just yanking you like right oh, well done then Melier for doing your job well if he could catch some corners yeah. Just the ones that. What, just the been, one, what if he's been told to punch him though? But just the ones that are like really close to him. Yeah. Are the stretchy ones I can accept. Because have, have a swipe him. What if he starts a transitional breakaway by punching the ball out to Crescenzio Somerville, who who's nominated here, by the way, for being superb, skillful, tricky, and scoring another top top draw goal, which was very good, by the way, and has now been forgotten in this award because, as you say, recency bias, misery, Sunderland defeat. Yeah. Nothing good's happened this week. No. Nope. Melia made a pointless save because we fucking lost anyway. Well done. Take reward. Yeah, actually, do you know, come to think of it, 
Do we need do we need to fall back on what happened at Blackburn here? Give it to Danny James. Mm, it's a tough one, isn't it? Yeah. Did he did he make good saves in in the Blackburn game? Melier did, didn't he? He made a decent one. Yeah, he can have it then. Fine. Anything else you want to mention before we we wrap it up, or do we uh, do we leave it there? Gear did nominate Jack Clark actually for proving no. his life after Spurs. No, but, but that might encourage some of our players though. We could keep Spence and to go to Spurs. Road on. Oh right, I see. What no, you mean. for saying there's no point. Oh, actually, Gray will be like, oh, good career move. I could be playing for Sunderland in five years <laughs> instead of all this. <laughs> Well, we will wrap it up there then. Well done to uh, to Melio for, for being good with his hands. And um, well done to the uh, the Bellingham family. Hope you enjoy your villainy award. Mark, Denise. Yeah, just had a look at the Mark and Denise. Pictures of them, you can... It's, Googling parents is a bit sinister, isn't it? Like, you'd never catch me doing that normally, but they're like a really nice family. Yeah. Young. That's what I, what I noticed. But that's because their children are, are still children. Scoring against us. Dickheads. <laughs> we'll catch you next time. The Square Ball Podcast. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.